0: Hi, I'm Dubba. I'm the director of Music Tech Fest, and this is the MTF podcast. Now, in October last year, we ran the MTF labs in residence within academia at Oerborough University. We were in the robotics lab working with their incredible AI department as well as with the music school, and we were, as you might expect, crossing the streams wherever possible. Now, in the AI labs, we had a range of incredible experts from all over the world, from neural network developers to dancers, sound designers for the automotive industry to accessibility designers, DJs and beatboxers to robotics engineers. And in amongst that mix, Celine Xu was exactly the same as everyone else, in the sense of being not entirely sure what to expect, somewhat surprised to find herself there, and confronted with a group of brilliant people. With radically different knowledge, skills, and expertise. Now, we invited Celine as she's the lead data scientist for one of Sweden's biggest retail and manufacturing groups, Axel Johnson. And I wanted to sit down with her to talk about not only who she is and what she does, but how her experience in industry fits into the context of something like Music Tech Fest and the MTF Labs. From an office on the fourth floor of the World Trade Center in the heart of Stockholm, this is Celine Shu. Enjoy. Celine, thanks so much for being on the podcast.
1: Oh, so nice to be here. Thank you. Thank
0: you. You're a senior data scientist for Axel Johnson. Yes. Let's just start with what's Axel Johnson.
1: So Axel uh, Johnson is a family group. They host uh, seven different groups. And a uh, major business in retail. So they have Orleans, Keeks, Martin and Sevilla as food holding company. Yeah. At the same time, we have the sharehold of uh, X Food uh, and uh, Dusting, uh, which is uh, online digital stores. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we also own a company called Novex, which is an investment uh, branch mm-hmm. and invest in a lot of new um, business or companies uh, like Flippaco as a high-end fashion uh, clothing company. And also we also have uh, the um, training company, which is Gym, Uh, And also we have another group called uh, X Johnson International, which focuses on industry uh, product, which they also have different company within that group. We produce pump uh, and help, for example, Ala build their whole yogurt uh, pipeline.
0: So everything from uh, All Ends, which is like a, a, a department store for people to buy clothing and yeah. perfume and knives and, and so on, right through to um, servicing like the restaurant industry. And so you're a data scientist within that. What do you do?
1: i'm responsible for inspiring and supporting the holding company within the group such as Allianz martin severa kicks to become more data driven and uh, customer centric and um, uh, i try to help them deliver and productionize the end-to-end advanced analytic applications and insights
0: Okay, what does that mean?
1: (laughs) Okay, so uh, I have three main roles in my job. Uh, First one, of course, the data scientist, which is I translate the business uh, problem into a data model which can be used or code in programming Mm -hmm. and then let the machine learn or predict or optimize and produce the result or the insights and then translate that insights back to actionable plan. This is, data scientist part. The second role is I'm kind of strategic, um, analytical strategist and machine learning uh, specialist. So like the company, Xfood, if they have specific uh, use case, uh, for example, Tron prediction, mm-hmm. uh, they would like to have me as uh, a second opinion to ask whether or not this algorithm is good or not. Okay. Or Martin Severa will have analytical plan in, for example, uh, customer domain, and uh, we will help them to formulate and prioritize different user case based on the high value, high impact and high feasibility. And the third role is um, I'm also a community lead within the group for data scientists and the some of data engineer. Uh, we try to build this analytic academy uh, let people share knowledge because as you know, uh, currently in traditional industry, the, uh, like data scientist is alone in the company. So mm-hmm. they're at most one or two in the team. So normally uh, we want to have this warming community to support them and uh, also uh, to take advantage of we are a group of family. So mm-hmm. we try to share the experience within the whole group to leverage the, the
0: knowledge. It, it sounds like for somebody who works with data and computers, a lot of what you do is about people.
1: Yes, of <laughs> course. Uh, fundamentally, uh, digitalization of the company is a people game. It's more about how you change the way people work. It's not only about algorithm. It's not only about how you take advantage of the machine learning mm-hmm. at the end it will be the people to use that machine to help them to generate value or make their life easier
0: this uh, some people say that there isn't an industry anymore that isn't a data industry it, it sounds like all of the things that you do whether it's online retail or whether it's a service to, to restaurants or whether it's finance or they're all data now so Um, Is what you do something that could be done pretty much in any industry?
1: Yeah, I think so. Currently, the algorithm people use or the language or programming language people use already exists for a long time. So the basic logic uh, are the same. Mm -hmm. But... It depends on different industry. You or people just blend in their business logic, business rule, and their understanding about business. That's make things different.
0: A lot of people, when they talk about data, and particularly AI, uh, the first thing that people think of is, oh, my job is now going to be done by a robot. Is any of what you do about replacing people?
1: No. No. Um, we actually try to use the machine to free people' time to let people do more creative or more important work. Uh-huh. So the work will be take away It's kind of boring work. In X-Johnson Group, we actually have the plan. As I said, the uh, Analytic Academy, we try to retrain people in the way they need to be adapt. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to Uh, substitute people we just want to make their life easier and let them to do what they really want to do
0: but also the nature of their job could change the nature of
1: the job is changing definitely and also the job description also changes Mm. there is a company goal in x Johnson which is 1050 which is within 10 years uh, we will change 50 of our current business so definitely, the job will changing, but we will not dumping person. We still hope a person can be retrained, and right. we try to facilitate that.
0: What's your story? How did you get to be in Stockholm working for this big company in data science? Where did that start?
1: I think there are the two stories um, uh, first is um, I would say data scientist is not actually a scientist it's more a multi-discipline title uh-huh. so uh, i will not call myself a scientist i would like love to call myself more a businesswoman okay. uh, second thing is i would say uh, there was a funny story about um, uh, a swedish immigrant. Uh, someone said it's either uh, for uh, work or for love uh-huh. so my story is for love so i get married to my husband so i moved to Sweden
0: okay from
1: London actually I was working in a private equity firm in, oh, in London
0: okay you, you've been in uh, business consulting and financial uh, yeah. area and now even though you have the word scientist in your job title yes uh, it's it's a business position that yeah, you
1: have yeah. yeah I would say it's uh, kind of special because I'm came from mathematic background mm-hmm. and I always do analytic um, even when I was in strategic uh, consultant or private equity, I still dealing with data. The difference is I didn't really coding at that moment. Mm -hmm. But since I moved to Sweden, I realized I can't speak Swedish. So I need to develop the other kind of language to leverage my knowledge. Then the coding tap in, and it become the nicest part of my life. Because at the beginning, I would say, I can use the material people produced to prove my hypothesis. Uh-huh. But now I can produce that material by myself. So I would say I'm empowered.
0: What were you, what were you like growing up and what did your parents do?
1: Uh, both my parents are uh, university professors.
0: Okay, in what sort of thing? Uh, mathematics or? Uh,
1: no, uh, my mom is computer science professor okay. uh-huh. and my father is economics okay. professor.
0: Oh, that's a almost a story told for you then. you. It sounds uh, like those things have come perfectly together for you.
1: Sounds like, yeah. but in the reality is absolutely the opposite. Really? Uh, my father want me to study economics. And my mother want me to study computer science. Uh-huh. And when I choose my major in university, I actually say no to both. Then I choose math because I want to be mutual. And after that, uh, they have big fight saying for master degree, <laughs> what I should study. Then I choose to work first. So at the end, everything comes together, but Mm -hmm. the path is not that straightforward.
0: But they must be pleased with where it's ended up.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're quite happy.
0: So let's talk about recommendation systems. Yeah. Because that's something that I know that you're very involved with. I guess my first question would be, why do so many businesses need recommendation systems?
1: Okay, 90% of the data in the world created after 2010, and all this abundance present a big problem the paradox of the choice because we have so many choice and we need to spend too much time trying to pick one uh-huh. and sometimes we try so hard but at the end we actually pick something wrong and the recommendation engine is actually use machine learning technology to help company go over all the possible options and learn what we or as a customer like and recommend the options we would love best. Uh, so this machine or system provides us an option having the abundance of the options at the same time have a certainty in our decision.
0: It sounds like the assumption is that choices are difficult. But I don't experience that. When I go to a shop, for instance, and I want to buy a sandwich, it might take me a moment, but I don't need something to say, you should have a ham sandwich, not a chicken sandwich. But it feels like But that's what all of the recommendation engines are trying to do. Is it more complicated than that?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yes, (laughs) I would say. Uh, Yeah, I agree. People don't really have the problem to decide what they want, but they do have problem to avail the other possibilities. Uh So there are different metrics to measure whether or not it's a good recommendation engine. One, yes, is accurate, which is recommend something you definitely want. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you also need to think something they never think about to right. inspire them. For example, if you never know Vietnam food, where, where, whether or not you will order it. Uh-huh. And maybe after you taste some of that, you will fall in love in some kind of dishes. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things is from that perspective, um, from recommendation engines,
0: because the recommendation engines that i can think of for instance like uh, if i buy something on amazon for instance people who like this they also like that and it doesn't seem to stray very far from the things that i've already said that i like music the same when i was growing up i would go into record stores and i would buy a record and the person behind the counter would say you don't want that record that's a terrible record you want this record which you've never heard before, you don't like this music yet, but this is objectively good music, take it away, listen to it, listen to it again until you like it. I still want that kind of recommendation. Can, can an algorithm do that and say, no, no, your choices are bad, here are some good ones?
1: I would say the algorithm itself will not tell you which is good, which is bad. Okay. It's just based on different business rules. Uh, based on the company's logic mm-hmm. and give the ranking of the choice you could have and promote the one more close to your choice uh-huh. or more close to the company's target.
0: Yeah, the things that the company is trying to sell rather than the things that might
1: sometimes, make your yes. life better. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes, yeah. yes, unfortunately. That's why I would say fundamentally the recommendation engine is just a um, predictive um automatic um, scoring system. And it's only based on uh, historical method. So they have their own disadvantages. For example, uh, because they're only based on historical record, if you have drastic change of your taste, they probably will
0: not predict right. Right. And and I guess if I'm not typical of the customers as well, like if you've got a shop where, I don't know, let's say 90% of the customers are... Really into chicken sandwiches, yep. uh, and I just don't like chicken sandwiches. It's likely to recommend me from the chicken line. So, is there this sort of bias that is built into systems like that, or can it be? Is there such a thing as neutrality? I guess is my question.
1: Uh, unfortunately, from statistic point of view, uh, no. Uh-huh. Uh, everything have bias. It's just sometimes people didn't realize their biases to example for for you is yes in some of our business we have 90 percent of the loyalty customer of female so when we recommend something to male customer we do have some problem for example false eyelash to a male uh-huh. and we did hear the feedback is it's kind of intimidated So if you don't add extra layer to regulate the recommendations, you got this bias. But we have some other way to make it better. For example, we can just take away some sensitive product or uh, we can set up some category only recommend to men. But at the same time, we add the other kind of bias in the recommendation system. Mm there is a chance there some men do want the false eyelash. So I would say sometimes when you see the bias is built in, it seems the problem of algorithm, but Mm. it's not. It's actually problem of input data. So if you have 90% of the, Shopping like history is from women. Mm-hmm. It's not because the run of the algorithm is just because of the input data.
0: Right, but at the same time, you don't want to go through all of your products and go. This one is only for women. This one is only for men. You know, because of the problems that that and yeah, as they, well.
1: Yeah, everything have like the advantage and disadvantage. Normally, I would say uh, in different company they have tag, or at least have the department. A tag for mm-hmm. certain product so we do can find the tag which one is for women which one is for men but we also debate within the company says like sometimes men buy the gift to women he do have the history for the women product uh-huh. if you only recommend men's product maybe it's not good for them they also want some inspiration so maybe uh, the solution could be just to take away a really sensitive product, but mm. still trust or believe the data.
0: Is more data the answer to all of these sorts of questions?
1: Yes and no. Uh, from algorithm perspective, the more data you collect, the more accurate you have. But at the same time, the more data you have, the more bias you have. Okay. So it depends on what kind of problem you want to solve.
0: Is this harder in a place like Europe, where there are all these laws about data privacy and protection and those sorts of things, than it is, for instance, in China, uh, where those laws don't exist, uh, where there is such a massively uh, increased amount of personal data so that recommendations can be much more targeted, much more uh, accurate, or or do you not experience that?
1: It definitely have some. Impact, For example, in China, you can get more data source, not only from purchasing history, you, you have the online data. Uh, if you don't have regulation to minimize the online shopping IP address, then you can easily link the online IP to your store purchasing history, uh-huh. which make the OMI channel really full. And here uh, in Europe, you have more regulations, so sometimes it's really hard to matching, or people don't even want you to matching. So when you lose that part of information, yes, the recommendation will not as accurate as that one.
0: So, what are the uses of something like artificial intelligence, for for want of a better term? Would you? use in an industry like this not just recommendation engines are there other uses of uh, artificial intelligence
1: of course it depends on how you call artificial intelligence for example now one of the things I also focus on is time series prediction so basically is all kind of prediction like uh, price prediction demand forecasting and those things are really used in the industry and also people planning for example the workforce planning Mm-hmm. Uh, for department store for black friday how you increase the uh, workforce within the store and how you reduce that it's also uh, prediction and i would say two big part currently uh, increase is one image recognition and natural language processing uh, image recognition you can uh, tell the uh, story from china like now uh, Ali Pay, alibaba you can just uh, take your picture and it, it enable you to payment. Instead of you the fingerprint, you mm-hmm. use your face. Uh, at the same time, a, a lot of law enforcement, as I know, Alibaba have really successful, uh, example, to help the uh, traffic regulation to detect the, the speed tickets. So people can get away of that, mm-hmm. even though they hide the, the number of the car. Right. They can use the image recognition to uh, find them augmented uh, reality. For example, if you use your iPhone now, you actually can see um, where you are going. There is a big arrow in your phone and it's help you to find your way. Uh, Natural language processing also really interesting. For example, currently you use your phone and you just say like a serial, Uh, remind me blah, blah, blah. And it's directly put your phone call or appointment in the calendar. Also one of our company have this experiment is Martin Severa. They use Google Home to let the chef in the restaurant real time order what material they need to get. Right. Um, it reduced them to typing and it's really uh, smooth. Mm-hmm. So it's quite nice.
0: Okay. So I guess my my big question is how did you connect this with coming to Music Tech Fest in Edinburgh. What was that about?
1: Okay, I would say at the beginning I was intrigued because the name, the name is uh, Music Tech Festival. So uh, it's interesting, uh, it's exciting because it's the fastest it's a party. And then I get there and I was so surprised because it's totally different of my expectation. It's really challenging, uh, really innovating and really intense mm-hmm. uh, afterward i understand the mission for music tech fest is actually create this three days um, platform to let people innovate the new format of creating the music which is fantastic i would say mm-hmm. Um, We had a lot of really nice experience, how to use the dance to create the music, how to use the reaction of the uh, music to get the lyric of the drum, and also how to use the deep learning, which is a GAN system to natural generating the, the music, which actually help human to generate the music in a large scale, which single human cannot.
0: Right, so what did you do there? What was what was your role within that context?
1: Yeah, um, so because I know really less about how to compose music, so mm. I use a little bit of help from uh, the um, AI, of course. Mm. So I try to use GAN uh, system uh, to Uh, transfer the music style to a specific song for example uh, i find two songs one is linkin park which is light um, rock and the other one is more classic singing Ah. and i try to apply the rock style to that singing uh, by using this algorithm
0: when you say gan system can you explain what you mean by that
1: yeah Uh, The name is Generative Adversarial Networks. So uh, in general, it's a neural network and used for unsupervised machine learning. And it made up for two competing models uh, competition with each other. The first one called generator network, the second one was uh, discriminator network. So if we make an analogy of that to explain is uh, if we have a masterpiece from Monette, say yeah. uh, water lily, and there is an forger which uh, want to create a duplicate, one to sell. And um, this forger need to learn how original painter Monet paint this water lily. At the same time, there is the FBI agent uh, investigator try to capture this forge. So he want to have the second guess of the rule this forger use, which enable uh, this FBI agent to detect which one is forger. So if we map this to the scan system, the generator network will be the forger. and. Uh, uh, this network will learn so-called the distribution of the class. At the same time, the investigator from FBI will be the discriminator and it will learn the boundary of those class and them together uh, will make uh, the system more advanced to produce the fake okay. painting.
0: Because the, the forger has to fool the FBI agent. Yes. And so it has to get continually better. Yes. Understand. So there's this, when you say adversarial network, it's it's basically two systems that are competing against each other yes. to make both of them better. Yes. Okay. So you brought that to MTF to put different genres of music against each other to create something new. Yeah. Um, what did you bring away from that back to industry?
1: Okay. Uh First, I was so exciting just into the music creation. So I would say first thing I learned is I have better knowledge about GAN system or in general neural network, mm-hmm. how it's capable is. So uh, it got me a lot of a new idea how I can apply that things in different area. Uh, at the same time, I would say meets a lot of excellent people to open my mind about uh, all the other possibilities Mm. like how ai actually help creating not only music but the other arts the third things i would say i actually get a lot of impression about how ai help disadvantage people to pursue their dream because we have some friends have some heritage uh, disadvantage to use the tool or they're blind or the hand of them is not that good so because of that the AI actually can develop a system to help them to make their DJ life uh, really easier Uh, which make me first feel really proud or empathy yeah. at the same time it's just say like the other side of ai it's not like get rid of other people it's actually helping people
0: that's that's really interesting because one of the things that i, I think is most people notice about mtf is that there are so many different people from different backgrounds different disciplines different uh, like artists and scientists and academics and business people and and those sorts of things and one of the things that we like about it is that it brings those people together, which is great in the context. But I'm always curious about how much of that goes back to people's businesses, and and how much of that thinking and though that sort of interacting with different kinds of thinking comes into now when you when you're not at MTF. Does, does that make any difference?
1: Yes. This is a little bit like a neural network, so I don't know why, but it's a black box. It definitely uh, uh, affects my my daily job or daily life. First, Mm -hmm. as I said, it's open other kind of possibility to let me to know more new things. Uh, But if you say like go back to the industry, I would say more from... Inspiration perspective uh-huh. for myself, for my life, yeah. it changes a lot. I open more to different kind of people and um, talk about different things. I start to learn new music uh, skills. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to learn flu, okay. uh, Chinese flu, so uh-huh. it's um, s- straightforward instead of sideways. Uh-huh. Um, at the same time, I uh, have more uh, passion about deep learning and um, Image recognition, actually. So, oh. I would say probably it's take time, but I will try to bring those value back in my daily work. I think
0: it sounds like you were the FBI agent.
1: Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, no. Yeah. I want to be the forger. Okay.
0: <laughs> Celine, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. That's Celine Shoe, and I guess that makes me the FBI agent. So that's case closed for this week. Hope you enjoyed. And remember, we're going to be running the five-day Industry Commons Ecosystem Ice Labs in Mannheim in April, all about sound design for urban and industrial applications in the age of AI, IoT systems, and blockchain. If you want more information about that, jump on the newsletter at musictechfest.net slash newsletter. As always, please know that you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere that you might listen to any other podcast. And of course, you can share, like, rate, review, and go through the growing back catalogue of MTF Podcast Interviews. I'm Andrew Dubber. Hope you have a great week and we'll talk soon. Cheers. <laughs>